Hey, June 19th is the day we are recording this. My name is Mark Striegel, and I'm hanging here with Joey Haney on the Talking Rock podcast. Joey, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Nice to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm doing okay, doing okay. We're, you know, starting to do some gradual reopening here in Essex County, New Jersey, one of the hot, hot spot coronavirus uh, places in the country. Um, the highest numbers in New Jersey, which is the second highest state in the nation. So we're, we're finally making some progress and things are getting a little, uh, a little better here. So I'm, I'm excited by that and feel uh, optimistic. And I was excited to talk to you. You have a great idea that we're going to get to on the podcast, um, about it's like kind of Mount Rushmore thing. I'll let you explain it in a minute, Joey. And, then sure. if we have time, we'll try to keep this to about 30 minutes or so. If we have time, we will uh, talk about some of the recent documentaries I've been watching on uh, on demand, on Netflix and other, other providers, music documentaries, that is. And I wanted to maybe to just quickly mention the Doobie Brothers because I've kind of been on a kick with uh with the doobie brothers lately but first if you don't mind joy i just wanted to say I'm, I'm planning on starting yet another podcast right now i have three podcasts i have this one the talking rock podcast which i do with you and then i have talking metal which i've been doing since 2005 and then i have a pay a pay only podcast called the mark striegel podcast which is available uh just to the people who support me on Patreon, so only about 35 people get to hear that. And I'm thinking, do you think I'm crazy, man? Should I do a fourth one? How many do you do? You're asking about a guy that's like involved in six of them right now. So if uh, if you got the time and the love for I it, don't. man, do it. Yeah, so. I, I have the love for it, but I don't have the time. At least not not realistically. So- so uh, do, do you have a exclusive here? Or are you going to go into detail about uh, what the show yeah, is? Yeah, I haven't or, really told or... anybody this, but I, I've just decided. And it, it, the the name, like, I was going to call it, like, Striegelscape or Striegel Weekly. I want to get my name in there because the thing that bothers me sure. now about Blabbermouth is they're always just, like, you know, being the egomaniac that I am. Whenever Blabbermouth picks up a story or interview that I do, which thankfully is frequently, they're always, like, the Talking Metal podcast recently spoke – to blah 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 and it's 90% of the time it's me that does the speaking with these people you know the interviewing so oh, I, I, yeah. I feel like it could have been more beneficial like you know Mitch LaFon does or somebody else where Eddie Trunk where it's like you know their name is in it so anyways for the time being all three of those podcasts I just meant uh, mentioned are going to continue and I'm I'm 90% ready to pull the trigger on a fourth one called Talking with Mark Striegel, which uh, to me, I like Striegelscape or Striegel Weekly better, but I want to keep that talking brand going. So I think Talking with Mark Striegel will be the name of this show. And it's exactly that. And the thing is, it's going to, you know, on here, it's just basically me and you talking. This will open it up to interviews that aren't quote unquote hard rock or heavy metal. You know, I can talk to anyone. And when I say anyone, I mean, yeah, I could talk to somebody who, you know, plays country music or the blues or or or, or straight ahead rock, but I could also talk to an actor or a doctor or a politician or anybody. So, we'll see, we'll see. I'm I'm thinking about it and I'm talking with a hosting company that could potentially uh 
be involved and the goal will be to kind of start off slow get our get our feet going get our feet wet in the pool and then really try to go after some interesting guests so that's that's the exclusive i haven't announced this to anyone yet um this will be the first announcement on it and by the time you get this episode edited and up, Joey, hopefully there'll be a Talking with Mark Striegel podcast following shortly after that. Well, I'll send it over to Blabbermouth as soon as I'm done with it. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they won't they won't touch it. But yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. So, but good luck with it, man. If you if you uh, pull the trigger on it, then good luck. Of course, I'll be listening. So cool, cool. Well, we'll see how it goes. And I'd like to do also a video version and. Tentatively, once all this COVID shit is over, the one thing I really want to try to do, now this could be a struggle with it, is no phone interviews because I'm just huh. sick of them. I can't. They're so lousy. And every time, I mean, I've had so many ones recently where I just get Biff Byford from Saxon on the phone and I can't even use it. The connection's so bad. So I hate yeah, a lot phone of people interviews. just using their phones and tunnels and cars and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's, that's one of my goals to maybe to yeah. start off with a few phone interviews. Cause I, you know, but to eventually get to the point where everything's in person and a lot of that, I guess, obviously will depend on being able to get together with people in in person so let's go right over to your idea which you emailed me or texted me about which i thought was a pretty cool idea and let's talk about that for you know 10 minutes or so and then maybe we'll jump over to some of the shows i've been watching the music shows i've been watching documentaries so explain your idea to the people and i'll i'll chime in joey yeah, well, believe it or not, this actually came uh, or was inspired by me listening to a Talking Metal episode from like last year when I was uh, oh, do sporadic cool. binging where I catch up and really just I, I feel like especially like hard rock and metal fanatics, uh, there's kind of an accepted big four, uh, not the not the bands that we all know, the thrash ones. But like as far as like frontmen singers of the hard rock and metal genre, the big icons pretty much accepted that the big ones are Ozzy. Dio, Bruce Dickinson, Rob Halford. I don't think right. that anybody can really argue those and take one off for another. I mean, you could have a fun debate about it, but I think those are pretty universally accepted. Agreed? Yeah, totally, totally. So so it's like a Mount Rushmore type of thing? Yeah, just like what? who do you think? You know, obviously these are people that probably have some decent press as well, but, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to make a list of an alternate Mount Rushmore of hard rock and heavy metal frontmen that right. I feel like are either like slightly more underrated, especially versus those guys. Yeah. They can't break through that glass ceiling. They're kind of taken for granted, things such as that. So yeah, that's just what inspired me to do it. It's pretty simple. So yeah. I would, I would go with, honestly, I mean, if, if we're talking about, I mean, cause what is Mount Rushmore? I would have to look for, is it, is it just iconic presidents of, of, the you know the country or is it like why i wonder like why the guy who made that sculpture picked those four guys because for me yeah i've never i've never really questioned it but right. yeah because <laughs> it, it was it teddy roosevelt's up there too which kind of yeah yeah i want to say that, that, that sounds right more of a controversial choice but i i would i yeah. would go with for me to me it would be more about the innovators, the the people who built 
you know, um, hard rock vocal stylings. And to me, that would be for sure Robert Plant. Now, I, you know, and I know he's so anti heavy metal and stuff, but when yeah. you go back to the influence that that guy had on the genre, to me, for sure, even though he hates heavy metal, he yeah. was so influential on it. Uh, Gillen would be the next one, which there's no Good denying yeah. that that hit that voice. There would be no, in my opinion, there would be no Bruce Dickinson. There would be no Halford yeah. without what what they what Gillen laid down first. And I mean, you know, Dickinson is always, I think, cited Gillen as his main influence. So those those would be two for me. I, I guess I would have to go with Ozzy. You know, I, I really would. I, I I think his sound is so unique. And at one point in the 80s, I don't know if I would have put him on a Mount Rushmore of, of heavy metal hard rock singers because I don't feel like his influence was as defined at that point. But I think now in 2020... You can't do it without him. I really think that he's the next guy. So Gillen, Plant, Ozzy. I don't know, man. I don't know who the next one would be. I really don't. I I, I would almost go with somebody a little, I mean, you know, like the Teddy Roosevelt of uh, of, <laughs> of the real one. I would maybe say Jeff Tate. How about Jeff Tate? There's a there's a, a out of left field one. But to me, That's such a one. unique singer that really, truly, uh, for me personally, I, I can put him up there with those guys. And I mean, no respect, well, disrespect yeah. towards Halford or, or, or Dickinson because I love them, but I don't know. That might be my Mount Rushmore right there. Yeah, and I think uh, the like as far as like who to put on a list like this, you definitely have to look for who uh, who influenced the most amount of people. It's very easy to say, and you'd be right to say Jeff Tate. Uh, serves to be on some of these lists because guy kind of does get taken for granted but like the post generation of jeff tate he spawns so many sound alikes like yeah. whether you like him or not and whether you like the people that you know followed his singing style or not there you could point to so many bands especially for some reason the prog rock and power metal bands like all throughout europe especially like they're obviously jeff tate guys so like that's their guy. For I sure. mean, hell, even, of course, the guy, you know, Todd LaTorre, great singer. Of course, he modeled his singing style after Jeff Tate. There's no way you could say he didn't. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I would say that guy. that would be a controversial uh, pick. But, you well, know, I, 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 in some ways, he has, in, in my opinion, his voice is more unique than Dickinson or... Halford, and that doesn't mean he's uh, he's a better singer. I even like him better, but I, maybe I do. I don't know. I really think he had something special. And I mean, Dio is an obvious yeah. choice too, but I, I don't know. I probably, I, I could probably see Dio being up there. I do feel yeah. like Dio's voice faded towards the the last decade or so of his life. But I guess you could say yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> look at Plants. Voice a lot now. of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of people. You could say that about a lot of people. And I wouldn't even begrudge anybody that would put someone like a Vince Neil or a Stephen Piercy on this list because wow, uh, okay, well, their their voice, their but their but but yeah, but think about it. Their voices are irreplaceable. They've been 
there are bands have tried to replace them and failed many yeah. times. And you just, it, they just have that sound. And it's a completely 100% associated with those songs, those hit songs. So whether people think that they're, you know, technically great singers or not, their voices are unmistakable. Ozzy's kind of in the same camp in a sense. Ozzy's not the best singer, right. but Ozzy's a superior front man. And he's got this appealing voice for some reason. We can't even explain why his voice is appealing. It just is. So yeah. there's there's something to be said of that as opposed to like the schooled sounding singers, you know. Right. Well, but, it, um, it's funny because I've I've heard people say this that there are there are singers and I, I, I feel like you saw this a lot with American Idol and stuff where where you get these these great singers who they're literally great singers. Their pitch is perfect, mm -hmm. they have an incredible range, <laughs> but they don't have that color. They don't have that emotional connection um to people's ears and more than their ears to their their soul if you will and yeah. and that's why i always said you know can you imagine if johnny cash or bob dylan or even axel rose had appeared on american idol they would have been yeah. kicked off they wouldn't have even been able yeah. to finish the song they would have been buzzed out you know it was like but yet those guys their voice i mean there's no doubt that those guys have a tremendous sounding voice you know neil young a very distinct <laughs> sounding voice you know uh yeah. but yeah. sometimes yeah. that's all you need i mean look at lemmy look at diggy yeah. barrett i mean right. come on yeah yeah so many <laughs> so. so many uh people who just have that quality and, and sound and yeah i, I don't want to i can think of a lot of them I'm, names popping in my head right now that are are technically great singers but they just don't have that connection with with me personally um, yeah. That so, anyways, yeah, great. Any other names you'd want to throw on there before we move well, on? Yeah, I went for my alternate Mount Rushmore of Go like for it, yeah. big, big hard rock and metal singers, and I also, in addition to those big four that I mentioned at the top, I definitely wanted to take out just for the purpose of being more fun in the sense. I, I took out Alice, who's my all-time fave. I took out Gene and Paul, Alice, you know, yeah, for obviously yeah. because. Of, because they're 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 obvious for me. They're my all time favorite. So I just wanted to go with a little more you know alternative list in a sense. So my my alternate big four Mount Rushmore as far as like and they're all frontmen. Like that none of these guys like play guitar or anything. It's just they're frontmen, and that's cool. kind of was one of the criteria I based this on. So I went with uh, D Snyder for sure. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen D live or even just seen him on television, you know, the guy has is just massive amount of charisma, still has his pipes. And, you know, to be fair, he hasn't worked as long and hard consistently as some of the other ones as far right. as like dates go. Yeah. But the, the, I think he's the man. He's one of my real big gateways into metal. So I'm always going to love that guy. And I still think he does, you know, decent stuff. So. And, you know, no one works harder on that. That sounds cliche, but there's almost no way that works harder ever on that stage than D Snyder. Agreed. So, yep. um, and then uh, one, another guy that I think people really take for granted. And this guy, I would almost put up in the iconic status. And this guy has been in the business for forever, longer than almost, I think, any of the singers that we've already mentioned. And people don't even realize that he's been doing it that long. And it's one of those things where it's going to be at a point where, you know, these guys aren't going to be with us anymore. And then, of course, everybody's going to be a fan when they die. And it's unfortunate because I feel like right now just okay. totally taken for granted and this band as well. But Klaus Mine is yeah. just one of the greatest of all time. I Those agree. pipes are amazing. He's got all the charisma. He's a great frontman. 
And, and, you know, Klaus Mein is just amazing. And, and I think he should be in the, him and D, they should both be in that conversation of those big four guys for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one of the other ones I had, actually, it's weird. I have two East Coast guys and two guys from across the pond. Uh, the other East Coast guy that I had was Joey Belladonna. Uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, they, they always compare me. He's like the Steve Perry of thrash in a sense. He was the second singer for the band, but he became the important singer for his okay. band. That's cool. And he's got that more classic rock bass thing, but they were able to take his vocals and fuse it into this new thrash thing. And it shouldn't have worked, but I feel like it really did work. And I would say arguably he's singing his best than he ever has. And I loved the Spreading the Disease album. I think I actually like that album better than Among the Living. But I think the last two records that they've done with Joey, once he came back, Worship Music and For All Kings, some of his strongest stuff. And so I think he definitely deserves to be in that kind of a conversation as well. And my last one, uh, a little bit of a friend of yours, and this is the guy that actually kind of inspired me to make this list, Udo Dirk Schneider. That guy All is right. really underrated and massively taken for granted in the overall scheme of heavy metal. And that guy's great. So that, that's my, that's my alternate big four right there. I, I love Udo and, and like Tate, um, eh, I'm not, not like Tate, but I mean, like Tate in that they, they, he has such a unique color to his voice. There, mm-hmm. there's no one who sounds like, like Udo. I mean, I remember when I first heard him, I was like, well, he's got, those pipes that go deep, almost like a Bon Scott, but yet he's yeah. not Bon Scott. You know, he's like, yeah. he really has his own unique sound going. And that that's one of the reasons I've truly struggled with, with except post Udo. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been hard for me. I, I recognize they, they had some good songs, some good production, but I, you know, I don't know a couple hooky things that I've, I've dug yeah. but in general. I've, I've had, I've had a real hard time uh, getting into except without Udo. Um, respect what they're yeah. doing, and it's cool and everything, yeah. but that's just me. But yeah, that wow, great, great stuff, Joey. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just one of those. I, I feel like all those voices are irreplaceable in a sense. Uh, even though, like you know, talking about like Joey Belladonna, for instance, I love the John Bush records with Anthrax. Uh, and they suited the time for sure. And I still love listening to Armored Saint, you know, John, both eras. Uh, I love them both. So, yeah. So just wanted to clarify that as well. But I think all those other voices are massively irreplaceable. Absolutely. Cool. And I guess uh, move on then to maybe some shows that yeah, I've watched. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know about you, but I've been watching a lot of music documentaries and I, I, I do have to wrap it here in about five minutes or so, but like seven minutes. So let me blow through these. Um, Laurel Canyon. It's a two part documentary on epics, epic or EPIX. E- uh, and great, really, really good stuff. The first 20 minutes are a little bit slow, but I mean, they cover everything from Zappa to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young to Alice Cooper uh, to the monkeys. And it's all about this, this area in California, Los Angeles, uh, called Laurel Canyon, uh, Joni Mitchell and, and just all this crazy music that came out of Laurel Canyon. And I'll, I'll kind of circle back around to that, um, in the end. And it's a two part documentary. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I haven't seen yeah, it though. It's good. It's really good. Uh, you got to 
we had to pay for it though to watch it. I signed up gotcha. for Epex or, or subscribed yeah. and then canceled, so it was only six dollars. But it was it was really enjoyable. And I, if you like that style of music, I mean that's a, a wide style of music. The Doors moved from Venice yeah. to Laurel uh, Laurel Canyon. Yeah. It's really a great watch. Um, yeah. and then I'm sure they talk about like love and those other bands also. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they are in it a lot. Yeah. And some crazy stories about like them and the doors and love got the doors, their deal. And uh, there's yeah. some really good stuff. It really interesting and really goes deep into that whole scene back then. And then that I, I was telling people about that and they said, well, you should check out echo in the Canyon or echoes in the Canyon, which was, uh, not a two-parter. It was a full documentary done by Jacob Dylan, pretty much about the same thing. Like some of those stories are retold, are not retold because I think Echoes in the Canyon was first. But Echoes in the Canyon, I didn't like that much because it was it was okay. But basically, it's like they'll interview David Crosby. Jacob Dylan goes and interviews him, but then he plays like a a song by them, or he plays a Beach uh, Boys song, and it's just gotcha. hard. You don't. I don't know. Covering Pet Sounds or Beach Boys <laughs> yeah. songs never is a good idea. Yeah. The Mamas and the Papas. It kind of sounds like a sonic. It's like a Sonic Highways kind of thing that they're doing on that. Yeah, like that's the f- yeah, exactly. And I bet you that's where they got the idea. But it's all about you know the yeah. Mamas and the Papas, the Beach Boys, sure. the, that Laurel Canyon scene of of California. And I didn't really yeah. care for that as much. Fiona Apple jams with him, and they do covers and and you know other famous musicians younger musicians when i say younger i mean like under 50 um but yeah it, it was it was uh it was okay it was okay echoes in the canyon laurel canyon great echoes in the canyon okay and then that inspired me to watch the the david crosby uh documentary which was i thought was excellent have you seen that one no, I'm not a David Crosby fan, but I I probably would watch the documentary kind of in the sense that I still want to see the Whitney Houston one and not even remotely a fan. Right. Because what is that's got to be a story and a half like I can only imagine like Yeah, and the David Crosby one's great. I mean, I I am not a, a big fan. I've never bought a Cro- David Crosby record. I mean, I always like yeah. Crosby Stills and Nash when I hear him on the radio, Crosby Stills Nash and Young. Yeah. Um, but it, it it was a great watch because they don't paint this like pretty picture like he's the most awesome guy ever. You know, they they yeah. they're like the guy's a dick. You know, he really <laughs> is. And and, and it, it's not the feel good documentary where they try to build him up into being the greatest thing ever they they really don't and i mean it's cameron crow does it very famous movie producer director and he does a just an excellent job with it and i give david crosby all the credit in the world because you walk away from that thinking yeah he had some talent but yeah he also was was an asshole and at times a train wreck and you know a dick you know none of the csny guys will even talk to him anymore you know so yeah it's, uh, yeah it's, it's like, good it's a good I remember, watch i remember here i think it was neil young i heard him like on howard stern a few years ago and when he brought that up he like had this huge loud pause and he's like uh there's love there but yeah i don't see it happening <laughs> yeah and they use that that in the documentary they actually use oh, that yeah. clip of neil young on the stern show <laughs> yeah nice. talking about crosby nice. So I really enjoyed it. It's Remember My Name, uh, the David Crosby documentary. And 
the opposite of that documentary for me was uh, Bad Reputation by uh, the Joan Jett documentary, which I thought was yeah. just awful. Could not stand that's actually, it. Uh, yeah, that's actually one of my next watches because I know it's, it's on so Hulu bad. right now. So if you have Hulu, you can watch it for free on there. No, it's terrible. I wouldn't watch it. I, I thought, oh, I really? Thought, yeah, it was so, so poorly produced. I mean, when I saw oh. her in concert, she's, <laughs> I remember on stage she was talking about it. And it goes, the first, like, 40 minutes are okay. It's like the runaway thing. But then it just, it goes in, like, 50 different directions. There's no, you can't mm. even figure out what's going on. And it's like, I, she she comes off, like, she's trying so hard to be, to make her sound like the most important person in rock and roll. And it's so, I, 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 I literally... It was difficult to get through it. It was an hour and twenty minutes. Um, could not stand it. But uh, so uh -huh. that that those are my reviews. And I like Joan Jett. I mean, I've got I went yeah. saw her in concert. I've I'd never bought a Joan Jett record, but you know, I I love all those songs, most of them, which she didn't write. But um, I, the, the yeah. Runaways part of it was mildly interesting, and then it's just it gets so convoluted and like like. You can tell she she was too involved in it. It wasn't like gotcha. you know she had Cameron Crow come and do it. It was like you can tell like she was probably the one in control. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to yeah. make me this and make me that. And I, it's just it's too much. Yeah. So those. Well, anything? Yeah, watch it. I mean, maybe you like Runaways it. movie. <laughs> I I I thought the Runaways. You know the drama the of the runaways movie was a much better watch but really? that's wow. not saying much wow yeah i'll throw in i'll throw in one that yeah, um, in one. i would recommend it's a few years old now and actually the subject has passed on since then but it's a it's a documentary about this great soul singer from the last decade charles bradley and if you haven't heard us of course most hard rock and metal fans will know him as the guy that did the amazing soul cover of changes by sabbath uh, oh, but, right, 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 and, right, right. I know exactly who you're talking about. That was great. Yeah. He's like a modern day. We had an Otis Redding, James Brown hybrid on our planet that was too cool for this world. And he's long past, uh, you right. know, a few years ago since then. But there's a documentary out about him called, I think it's called Spirit of America or something like that, okay. or Voice of America. Uh, man, I kind of forget. Uh, right. Well, we can look uh, it up. Spirit of America. I think, it's, I think that's a Beach Boys one. But yeah, anyway, look for a documentary on Charles Bradley. The thing that I took away from it the most and – it's so different when you watch, like, let's say even like Beyond the Musics back in the day, you know, the ones that VH1 used to put out in some of these documentaries. Uh, more often than not, they at least paint a picture of, man, it would kind of be cool to be in that position, like, or be that guy or be that rock star, even, you know, maybe not make the same bad choices, but to, you know, get that opportunity, be in the spotlight, whatever. And this is a guy I've looked up to as a talent since I first heard him like seven, eight years ago. You watch a documentary on him and see how he lives his normal everyday life, and it's so sad. Like right. he just poor. Like even even though I own his records, I was living a better life than him. And how many times can you say that about like someone's record that you own? Like nowadays, maybe more often than not. But it was just a you know it was a real wake up call to like see that. And, you know, the, you know, the relationship between him and his mother, which didn't start off great, but he made it great because he's a good person. And, you know, it's just like, man, and so much tragedy in his life and so much sadness, so much poverty, honestly, that it's like, wow, like someone I look up to is not somebody that I'd want to be. And how many times can you say that, you know? <laughs> so it's sad, but it's, it's 
recommended watch and hopefully it'll get you into his like four amazing or sorry three three records and a comp so he has very little material out there but all of it's worth it so there you go right on right on and i guess to to take us out here if you're right with this joy i'd just like to mention a guy that you know and i know greg renoff uh, yeah. has a, just an a excellent book out, which I'm almost done with, uh, the, this new book on Ted Templeman. Have you read it? No, but I, I'm, I'm going to order it. And I, I'm, I really am because I have Greg's other book and, uh, Van Halen rising and I love it. Uh, so, and I definitely would like to read a book about Ted. He talked about it for years when I first met him. So I'm really excited to read it. I just trying to play catch up, honestly. Right. Well, it is an excellent read and I want to get the exact title a platinum producer's life in music. And don't expect this book, Joey, to be like Van Halen centered because there's some great Van Halen stuff in there, but yeah. I, and that's why I probably picked it up. But you get stories on Frank Sinatra. You get stories on Tina Turner, on, um, yeah. you know, his band, which was the Harper's Bazaar, um, <laughs> which was nominated for a Grammy and had a big number one hit single in the 60s. Um, it is just unbelievable and the doobie brothers stuff in this book i've always been a casual doobies fan i'm like diving deep into every single record of theirs and just loving it and the the how that band changed you know when michael mcdonald joined and and you know tom tom johnson left the band it's just so much drama with the doobies and all the way up to that minute by minute record where they win the Grammy and, and just amazing, absolutely incredible story. The Doobie Brothers. I had no idea. I always knew, well, you know, taking it to the streets definitely is a very different sound than, you know, the early Doobie stuff, you know, but I never realized mm-hmm. what an evolution and what a ride that band had. And, Honestly, I have so much respect now for the Michael McDonald era of that band. I've been on such a kick. I mean, one of the most unique singing voices and distinctive singing voices that rock has ever had. And so I've I've just been really digging that. And one of their biggest songs, Taking It to the Street, maybe kind of timely at, at this point in time, with the protests and stuff, uh, which I'd love to end mm-hmm. with that song if we can, Jerry. Yeah, but that yeah, song, Ted tells the story in the book with Greg Renoff, his co-writer, about doing 70-some takes of the song. And they just couldn't get it. And they got to the point where Michael McDonald and, and Ted and you know Kenny Loggins had co-written the song just we're just like you know what this song sucks it's not any good you know and they took it in <laughs> ted worked he was a warner's brothers staff producer so he took it into the a yeah. and r meeting and he played it he's like we got this song he's like some days i think it maybe is good but i'm now i'm thinking it sucks but let me just play it for you guys and the room just said that song's amazing and and then he went back to the studio and he sat there in the studio and he was just like, but there's still something off about the song. And they determined that it was the drums. And then Ted went into the studio and sat down and did another drum take. And he played drums on that song. And no one knows huh. that. Like, if you go to Wikipedia, he's not credited. But according to the well, book, that's his drum track. <laughs> Ted Templeman played wow. drums on taking it to the street by the doobie doobie brothers and uh, just an amazing song again co-written by kenny loggins and 
and Michael McDonald and great stuff. I mean, and there is great Van Halen stuff in there too. He talks oh, about yeah, like when, yeah. when he wrote the course to, uh, I believe it's dance the night away, you know, he has no writing credit on that, but you know, he claims he wrote the course mm -hmm. to that song and how easy the Van Halen guys minus David Lee Roth were to work with. <laughs> and it wasn't David's attitude back in those days was excellent, but you know, mm -hmm. he, he did struggle in the studio. I mean, Mike, Eddie and, and Al would come in and just bang out tracks. And that was that, you know, whereas mm -hmm. Dave, they really yeah. had to bring him back, you know, a lot of punches, a lot of let's get this right. But sure. his, his attitude, which Greg expresses in his first book on Van Halen, it was really that Roth attitude that played so much into, into Van Halen. And that comes across mm -hmm. in this book too. Captain Beefheart, uh, Nick, nice. what's her name? Nicolette uh, Levine, or Larson. Larson. Yeah, great yeah. stories on her. Linda Ronstad, Carly Simon. I mean, just so many good stories. And I still, I'm right uh, right now. I'm at about 1980, 1981 in the book. Okay. So I still haven't gotten have, to the you haven't gotten to the Bullet Boys record yet. So. I'm wondering if you'll mention that because there's some stuff he doesn't really he kind of just glosses over. Sure. But, um, yeah, but just to show his wide range right there, like he did that album too, you know, and it's yeah. definitely a testament to how good of a producer he is in the sense of no matter how much uh, you know he might have worked with Roth and trying to get the sound right, it sounds like he just went in and did it. Like it sounds right. so loose. Yeah, I mean he's just records. done so much that the the book honestly, like the second Montrose record, I don't even think they mention yeah. it. <laughs> it's like yeah, which gosh. I love the Paper Money record by Montrose, yeah. but I I don't. He talks about Montrose, but it's kind of like the. The first record blends into the second record. Maybe I, I was think, thinking back about it. I was like, you know, I don't even think he mentioned doing Paper Money, but um, no. but he he did, you know. So, but a great great read or listen. I'm actually listening to it on Audible when I do my, hey. my dog walks and stuff. But I do have to wrap it, Joey. Anything else you sure. want to quickly cover in the last couple of minutes here? No, you said you're listening to that. I'm I'm about to listen to the Elton John autobiography, uh, the okay. audio book of that. So I'm looking looking forward to that. I've been listening to Ricky Rackman's uh, Cat House Hollywood podcast lately. It's fun to hear those stories, and it made me go back and watch Decline Two again. Oh, so yeah. that was like the other thing that I was like, oh yeah, I just watched that recently. So that's pretty. Man, Ricky it's Rackman relevant, has a but, podcast. It's like who? I think yeah. now officially Apple has announced <laughs> they have over a million podcasts on. On uh, their <laughs> Apple Podcasts platform, which being there's yeah. only 330 million people in the country, I guess almost everyone has a podcast at this point. Yeah, yeah. There's crazy. ten shows between us, so yeah. we're we're we make up a little percentage of that. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I just I part can't. of the problem. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And I, I have a love-hate relationship with podcasts. Part of me is like, why, with all these idiots doing podcasts, why am I still doing a podcast? But uh, until I get a better offer, I will continue to do it. And again, talking with Mark Striegel. Stay tuned. We'll get that going soon. Trying to get Hasselhoff as maybe one of my first guests, which I think would be wow. fun. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I was a Night Rider kid, so I'd definitely mark out for that. You know why we do these podcasts? Not, not also, you know, yeah, we love it and we're passionate, but for cool people that are out there, like the, uh, you know, the essential workers, like, uh, Chris Riley is a good example. He's right. a friend of ours. And, Absolutely. uh, just wanted to mention his name because he's awesome. So keep up the great work and stay safe out there. Absolutely. Wear masks, everybody. Yep. Cool. All right, Joey. I got to run, but great talking with you as always. And we'll end with the doobies. Taking It to the Streets, amazing song by an amazing band, really kind of, in some ways, their last hurrah 
they kind of peaked with this, at least the Michael McDonald era. And yeah. hopefully the Doobies reunion with Michael McDonald postponed until 2021. But I think I will be there if, if that happens in New Jersey, huh? because I'm, I'm just loving the Doobie Brothers lately. Nice. We'll take it away on the drums there, Ted. Thank you.